Please turn with me this morning to James chapter 5. I'm going to ask you to stand with me just another moment as we read two verses that we'll use for our text this morning. James 5, verse 7 and 8. Would you stand up with me for the word of God? Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Would you please be seated? Thank you so much. As we come this morning, it's a great blessing to tell you that Jesus Christ is coming again. What we have in this text pertains to the Lord's coming and to the relief that it will bring. The context of the first part of this chapter deals with some people that were persecuting, rich people, the poor people. And so James is bringing this analogy that when Jesus comes, that will be ended. Anytime Jesus comes, is something to look forward to. We find in Scripture there are various aspects of his coming. He comes uh, to destroy Jerusalem when the D Jerusalem was destroyed a few years after this. He comes, uh, anytime he delivers us, Jesus comes. When a believer dies, Jesus comes. But the, the hallmark of it all, the, the apex of Jesus coming is his second coming. And I want to talk to you about that this morning, the second coming of Jesus Waiting for his second coming. We've been talking about waiting. We've been talking about waiting to get strength. Waiting steadfastly. We've been talking about waiting and, and understanding that while we're waiting, God is doing something to us far more important than we can ever imagine. And the theme has been worth the wait. If anything is worth the wait, it's waiting for the second coming of Jesus, don't you think? Todd propped in my heart during the children's church this morning, and when he asked the question, sort of a challenge, I suppose, had we done anything this week to show we loved someone? You know, one of the greatest things we can do for someone that we love is to wait for them, to be patient. You know, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 13 describes love, that whole chapter almost. The greatest of these is charity, that is love. In verse 4 of that chapter, though, he says, the first description of the virtue of patience, or rather love, is patience. Waits long, love does. So when you think about Jesus, who we love, we can surely wait for him. And it's worth the wait, it is. So here the apostle, or the James here, looks at this in this book of James, and he uses the analogy of a farmer. And he says, surely the farmer waits for the seed that he sown to bring forth a crop. It doesn't happen overnight. And so the seed that is sown is likened to spiritually our lives here on earth. We need to be always a matter of dealing with sowing into the spirit and not into the flesh. If we sow into the Spirit, we shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. If we sow, though, in the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. 
But we have to wait on that. It doesn't happen overnight. God doesn't answer every prayer the next day after we pray it. I said the other day, and it's true, if you study the Bible, you'll find that God's people have always been awaiting people. I mean, you go back over to Genesis, the first prophecy of the remedy of it all, the birth of the Lord Jesus, the, the Virgin Mary, the, the, the seed of the woman. But it was thousands of years later for that it actually happened. It's amazing how God calls us to wait. And there's a reason for it. And there's nothing more important than the reason of waiting for the second coming of Jesus. Now, I hope that makes most of us happy. I could tell by the expressions on your faces, most of you seem to sing, soon and very soon we'll see the king with joy. <laughs> but I mean, everybody don't look forward to the coming of Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, we need to see that as the greatest event on earth. It's a literal event. Jesus will come in person, in body, okay? He's with us now. Yes, he is in spirit. But he will come in person one day. We don't know when that will be, but we know it's coming. And so with great joy, I can tell you confidently that today, not because it's something that I've come up with, but because God said it. And what God said is true. God won't ever lie. Jesus said in John 14, he said, I go to prepare a place for you. He says, if I go, I will come again, that you might be where I am. You know, all the... Uh, things of life that God gives us. I hope that some of you I know are young in years and you have so much hope and dreams yet. You have things you want to do, build a house or a career, raise children. But you know what? You need to know that when Jesus comes, all the fulfillment of fruit of your life will be manifest in a perfect, glorious way. So you don't have to say with a human thought, well, I wish you'd wait a little longer. No, no. Some of us, though, as we get older, we feel the bodily pains of life, of aging. And we know that what a great joy it'll be when our Lord comes and relieves it all. There'll be no more on ventilators, and when he comes, he won't be wearing a mask. What a blessing. The remedy of it all, the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. May the Lord help us to see the virtue and the blessings of waiting on the Lord in the second coming. We don't talk about that enough. But when you think about the, the very mountains of God, would be, um, would be his birth, he came from heaven, would be his death, he died on the cross for you and me to pay our sin debt. He validated that perfect work and sealed that by his resurrection. And then fourthly, his ascension. He ascended back to God and he left it all on earth. We wondered why. The, the disciples, many of them thought he was going to set it up here. But no, he goes to heaven. And then fifthly, his return, the second coming of Christ. May the Lord bless us and stir our hearts today to know that we have something worth waiting for. That one day all this mess on this earth and all the chaos and, and all those that we wish would do different and all the guilt that we feel for past sins and all the situations that linger in our lives that we just can't seem to get to, all these little pity-pat sermons that preachers like me preach that are stained with sin at best, 
that are incomplete as far as describing the glory of God, all that's going to be over with. And Jesus will come. And oh my goodness, the glory and the grace and the joy and the peace. And those loved ones that we've wanted so much to feel that love and see their lives right will be made that way. Oh my goodness, what a blessing. I can't tell you enough the joy of knowing that Jesus is coming back. I pray that your life is not just souped up in this life. God says that if we have hope in this life only, we're all, of all men, most miserable. But when we look to God and know that he's coming again, what a blessing that is. I want us to see that from these scriptures. Briefly, I'd like to try to say four things as far as waiting for his second coming. The first thing is that we wait dutifully. Notice in our text, it says, Be patient, therefore, brethren. So the, 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 the book of the James, this letter talks about the first thing, this is your duty, to be patient. You know, that is a duty God gives us, to be patient. It is a fruit of God's Spirit. And if anything you're calling, you make your calling lectures, you're, you wait, you can be patient. Now, the thing about patience that's so hard to deal with that it comes with problems. God does not lie when he said tribulation work is patience. So the very issues of your life that you're having to struggle with, the pain and the hurt, what God is doing there, he's working your life so that you will be patient. And patient is where hope comes from. You see, this farmer that sowed the seed, there was a, something to look forward to. There's the results of it. He's just not out there throwing the things away. He's, he's waiting for it. He believes it's going to happen. I, I remember years ago, um, one of my first uh, experiences of praying with a lady of the Lake Church who had an accident. It's Aretha Temple, a godly woman who is with the Lord now. Lived over in Register. And I remember going to the hospital, and I remember by her bedside. And she was a retired teacher, so she always had some instructions for you that were right and good. So I got by side, and I said, Sister Reese, I'd like to have a prayer with you. And she looked up to me, and she held my hand, and she said, I'll tell you what I want you to pray for. I said, yes, ma'am, what's that? She said, I want you to pray for patience, that God would give me patience. Oh, I never forgot that. I mean, of all things, I would think she'd have said, well, I want you to pray that God would heal me. I want you to pray that God would take this away. I, would, I want you to pray that I wouldn't have to deal. No, she said, I want you to pray that I would have patience. That is what we need to pray for, my friends. Because whether you like it or not, you're going to need to wait. You're going to wait for God. You can't do everything just like you want it done. But when you get in that mode of understanding that in your trials and your struggles, God is strengthening you to be patient. And all you're doing is your duty. And whether God blesses you or whether God doesn't, I can tell you this for sure, that God's saving grace is amazing. Whether we have troubles or not, it's more vividly displayed when troubles come. The stars we see at night are seen at night. We can't see them in the day. And so when God allows darkness in your life, you look. You look to that coming out of the stars of your life. And you're going to find Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you.
He won't. What a blessing to understand that patience is our duty. And after God blesses us with his holy presence, you know what? We're to serve him. Don't you think that we as a servant would wait on the master? Don't you think that a bride would wait on the bridegroom? And you're waiting, and waiting is not the same as being indifferent. It's just the opposite. Is it with an eye, and you're prayerfully, and you're dealing with it, and you're wanting it over in your heart, and you're saying you're wanting, and you're wishing, and you're longing. But you know that you're helpless in so many things, and, and so God has said, now you wait. See, that's the strength and the depth of your love. Can you wait? So that is your duty to wait. And God never calls us to do something he doesn't enable us to do. You know, patience is hard to do so many times. It's hard to wait. I've said before during this series, I, my wife has to remind me a lot of times, be patient, Randy. You need to be patient. We live in a world that nobody likes to wait on anything. But in God's world, we wait. It's our duty to wait. Galatians 6, 9 says, Be ye not weary in well-doing. And this is what happens when we have to wait, when we hurt. Be not weary in well-doing, he says there, but because you will reap in due season if you faint not. The seed that you sow, raising your children to know Jesus, these prayers that you pray to, to ask God to help you and to help others that you love and to stir your heart to the greater faithfulness. You keep planning that and you wait and God will bring it to fruition. That's what James is saying here. That's what the farmer does. But he does the planning. He prepares the field and he, and he plants, but there's some things he cannot do. And there's so much we can't do. But one thing we can do is wait. It's our duty. Maybe God don't, doesn't give us everything we want just when we want it. He wants to see if we can wait. Can you wait for Jesus? Number two, I want us to see that wait. When we wait on the second coming, we have to wait desperately. What I mean by that is there's no other way. There's no other hope. What we need to understand is we got to be at the place where there's no other remedy for life and life eternal and the problems we face except Jesus. we got to be just that desperate. Now, if you think there's some other way you can wiggle out of this, then you probably won't have much patience. Notice the text when it says this, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. That's what we need to wait for. And to know if we got to have something that we can't do and we can't be and we can't have, then the Lord's got to do it. Are you ready to just give everything to Jesus or not? Some of you might remember this guy. He passed on. He's in heaven now, Brother George Jr. Kendricks from down in Stilson. When I was at the University of Georgia in forestry school, I decided one summer I wanted to work in the logging woods with some of his crews. He had several logging crews. And so I, I went over and Brother George gave me a job one summer. 
And this job I was on was a logging crew and just me and this one other black guy was on this job. This black guy had been with George Kendrick for a long time. I mean, it was in July. And I remember, I remember that year, uh, we were down in this place somewhere down in Bryan County and we, we bogged this logging skitter down. If you, know what, if you know what that is, that's a big machine. Jackson knows what it is. But it has big wheels on it and weighs tons and it got bogged down in the woods. And I still remember me and that guy were working on that deal. I mean, we worked for hours. I didn't think there was any hope in all that thing coming out of that mess. I was wondering how in the world you going to get something this out of this, uh, out of this ball. You can't get a record down there. I mean, we're right in the middle of the woods. I remember that guy, and I remember trying to do what he said. I took chains and cables. We winched, and we did all that. I mean, we were desperate. And so we start walking. He said, well, let's just go to the hill. You call it the hill, you know. That's what you say when you're getting out of there. So we start walking to the hill, and I never will forget Brother George Kendricks was driving a red pickup truck. I can still see it. He turns off the road of the highway and comes in there on that woods road, and so that guy I was with, I was just walking behind him, you know. All of a sudden, he stops and turns around and starts going back to the tractor. I said, what are you going to do? He said, man, said, I just see Mr. Kendricks coming out, so we're about to get this thing out of here. What he was meaning was, here comes some help that we didn't have. That Here comes a man that has been around situations before that has gotten some bogs out. And I'm going to tell you what, when you get to Jesus Christ, he can get you out of bogs. Don't think you're in a situation that you can't get out of. Because Jesus Christ is the great physician. He is the great shepherd. He is the one, that he is our deliverer. And Jesus Christ, don't you wink when he says that he has given us all, we can do all things through him that strengthens us. You can wait if you're desperate enough to wait. When you're desperate enough to wait, you're going to be waiting in prayer. And prayer only pronounces the presence of God in our life, but we need to wait. Jesus promised that he's coming back. He's promised that in his word. He said in Matthew 26, 64, Jesus said to some people that were accusing him, he says he's coming back. He says this same person's coming back. Let me read that verse right quickly. Matthew 26, 64 says... Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting in the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And that verse that we use sometime down by the graveside, 1 Thessalonians, says this in chapter 4. Verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now look at Revelation chapter 1. We see a great description here of the promise of God. This Jesus, same Jesus. This Jesus that's coming back, this second coming that we need to be so desperately waiting for, and we do wait for because sometimes that's the only thing we can do. 
In Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, he says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so, amen. Jesus ascended into the clouds. We're going to read that in Acts in just a minute, but I want to tell you. Desperate, looking to the clouds. The farmers look to the clouds. Why? Because that's where the rain comes. No matter what you do in life, you've got to look for strength outside of your help, yourself to find that help, and that God is that strength. And God has promised that in his coming that we'll see that, and what a blessing. No matter how dismal things got, I think about Job in Job 19, 26. He was still struggling. He didn't know what the end was going to be. He was in that waiting mode. He was searching for God like many of us. And he says, but yet in my flesh, he says, I'll know that I'll see that my Redeemer lives, and I'll see him. That's what Job said. That is the patience to wait. That is what desperation calls. That's our only hope that God gives us. And God blesses us to know that. Jesus in Matthew 24 gives lots of signs of his second coming. And we need to be thankful that, that he does. And we see that in, in our lives. And uh, we see that in the world today in 2 Timothy. I thought about some verses there that I know you're familiar with. But it reminds us of 2 Timothy chapter 3. It says for... For all men, or it says in verse 1 rather of chapter 3, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, desperate, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. So we think about our world today and we see those signs and we see those tendencies. Yet we look forward because we know that the desperate situation we're in can only be remedied by Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, uh, we need to see that. We need to make sure we keep in mind that we have a mind settled on believing that Jesus could come again at any time. That's how we need to think. And any theology that does not embrace that, it is not biblical in my view. We need to be ready to understand that. That Jesus, the second coming, man, don't know what that is, but God does. He has a purpose in it. And we need to see that and bless God in it. We need to be able to look backward and see what Jesus has done for us. And we need to be looking forward, though, also at Jesus' second coming. I've said this before, and I think about it right now, but... When I grew up in the, in the flatwoods in the country, I didn't, we didn't have four-wheel drive pickups. You had to deal with two-wheel drive. You still had to drive in the fields and the, and the woods, but you get in some wet places. You get in some sand, and what do you do? You probably, some of you have experienced it. You, you have to go up a little bit, and that thing starts spinning. You got to back up. You got to rock it. You got to keep going back and forward. That's how you have to do about the second coming of Christ. To be patient with it. You don't just get out there and spin it down to the axle. What you do is gently back and forth. You look, you look back and you back up. That's what the Lord's Supper is about. The body of Christ was broken for us. That's his life on earth. But the blood of Christ, the blood he said, that cup, he says, well, you'll drink with me. Surely it was shed for our sins, all of our past, future, and all of that. 
Nevertheless, he says, this cup that you'll drink when I cometh into my kingdom. He's talking about the second coming. So we have to back up. We have to go forward. And that's how we get through life, as desperate as we are at times. We have to rock it. We do. And then fourthly or thirdly, I want us to see that we wait not only firstly, dutifully, and we wait desperately. We have to wait diligently. We have to wait diligently on God. And that what I mean by that is committed with a resolve to stay close to him. Back in our text, we think about that thought from some of the things James said in, in verse um, 7. Behold the husbandman. He said, Behold, look, the husbandman, that is the former, waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. How does he do that? He does that diligently and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. So rain only came twice pretty much in Israel at that time. It comes uh, maybe in October, November when they were planting the wheat. And then it would come when the wheat was making bud or blooming. We even like think that in this life is maybe when the corn's tossing or the cotton's blooming, God sends a rain. But he had to wait in between all those. And so we need to wait diligently. Look at Acts number 1, chapter 1 with me. I asked you to go there a while ago. I said that we would. I wanted to show us that before we go. In Acts chapter 1, we're talking about the second coming. And here's what God says. Jesus says this, and we need to embrace this as we wait for his second coming. Look what he says. In verse 7 of Acts chapter 1, And he said unto them, See, he's about to ascend into heaven. It is not for you to know the times of the seasons which the Father has put in his power. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they beheld, listen to this now, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. This is Jesus' ascension. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. That was angels. Which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Waiting for his second coming diligently means we're working while we're waiting. The best dress you and I can have when Jesus comes back is to have our working britches on. You hear me? We need to be, whatever we're doing, we need to do diligently all the time. Now I want you to notice with me what God is telling through these angels. Jesus ascended. It was time for him to go. And he says to these people, they were standing there gazing. And the angel said, why are you standing here gazing? Why do we gaze? Sometimes, you know, we need to be mindful. We need to be careful about gazing at God. A lot of times Christians are guilty of gazing. What does that mean? What it means is this. You know, there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians that are really interested in the, in the symbols of Revelation, for example, of the trumpets and the vials and the, and the beast and all that. We like to gaze at that stuff. What we need to understand is we need to be involved in practical godliness in our life. 
He says, don't gain. He says, you need to go back and do, use what God has given you with the power. It's amazing to me in Jeremiah 29 when Israel was going in Babylonian captivity and was going to be there for 70 years, God tells them to go on and get married. Go on and work and build and do these things. Why? Because God is saying that in our patience, in the diligence that we have, that we're to wait diligently. See, waiting is a work. And we're going ahead working because God is gracious to those that work. God is working in us. See, waiting for God is our duty. Waiting for God is when we're desperate, but waiting of God is doing it diligently as we wait for God. Instead of gazing, they were reprimanded. Maybe chided would be a better word. They don't gaze. What you need to do is do what God's called you to do. Jesus is coming again, and we need to bless God and thank him for it in our ways. So may the Lord bless us to see this and bless God in it. And you know, uh, the joy of it all, knowing that Jesus is coming, the same Jesus. What a blessing to know we've been saved from the wrath of God through Jesus. So we don't have to fear that wrath. What we need to be understand is I want to be doing what God wants me to do. I want to be faithful to him, and I know you do too. And so we need to be in that mode of life of thinking every day might be the day Jesus comes. I don't think that's being too profound and, and aggressively religious to think that we don't be ready for that. If there's something that you love in this world a little better, we need to ask God to forgive us and give us that inclination to love him above all else, to look forward to that second coming, that joy, that knowing that he's alive is a strength that we have to do that diligently work, diligent work in our days. And then lastly, just briefly, wait dependently as the rain. We can't make the rain. You know, one, day, one way you can know that God exists is look at the rain. You know, I, I looked it back up. I had it in my notes from years ago. But one inch of rain over one acre of land weighs 113 tons. And yet God will bless it to rain and he drops it softly. He moves it from the ocean to the air currents of his great uh, created universe. And he can drop it just way. Just watch the rain. See the patience of God in our lives. What a blessing to see. May the Lord bless us to rejoice in the second coming of Jesus. Gosh, I've just touched the service. I think I may have to do a series on the second coming because you just can't embrace it all at once. But it's such a profound truth that we need to rejoice in more than we do. We need to preach more than we do, but we need to live with this aspect of life that Jesus Christ is coming again. The same Jesus is coming back. He went up in a cloud, he's coming down in a cloud as we look at the clouds. Have you looked at some of the clouds lately in the evening? They've been some beautiful sunsets. It's amazing how the clouds get our attention. And you know, every eye shall see him when he comes back, both believers and non-believers. No, every mind won't embrace him. But Philippians 2 says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Jesus is our Lord. Not the Lord that, that they want to be acquainted with, with his wrath, but to know that he is king. Soon and very soon, we shall see the king. May we embrace that and bless that as we think about him every day and his second coming. 
There's a lot to deal with our lives and what we do and say and how we act, how we worship. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for your second coming. We thank you, Lord, for the preciousness of your people in this earth and how you're going to cleanse and redeem it. We look forward to that, O oh Lord. We can only imagine the beauty. It's so beautiful now, but how much more so in that day when you will come and purify all things. We thank you, Lord, for the sweet hope this gives us. I pray, O oh Lord, that we might not be so affluent and so comfortable in our lives here on earth that we won't feel the desperate need of your second coming. We ought to know by now, Lord, that this world is not going to be fixed by man. But we thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, even long-suffering. Now, Lord, bless us with a measure of your steadfastness as we wait and watch and listen and live for you who died for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.